Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. All right, we're going to do the last one in our little Y series. How many knew we were in the middle of a Y series? How many didn't know that? How many are just coming week after week? And we're going to start next week with a new series, and this series is actually called RSVP, but it's, it's called The Party Crashing with Jesus. So we're going to just look at a bunch of parties that Jesus went to and crashed and had a lot of fun. How many know Jesus is a wild party animal? It's the absolute truth, I'm telling you. He's a wild party. And when the, Moses went to uh, Pharaoh and he said, let my people go, and it says, let my people go that they might worship me in the wilderness. Let them go three days' journey. Three days' journey, three days represented a complete separation. That's why Lazarus being dead four days was so significant. Because, you know, four days, it's really, really done. But three days meant there's a complete, they're, they're, they're far enough that there's a separation unto God. Three days, three days' separation. On the third day, Jesus turned the water into wine on the third day. But let them go a three-day journey. But the word used there is that they might party with me that they might throw a feast and that I might party with my people. Take them, take them away from everything familiar. Come away from everything familiar to you and just come to me and let's have a wild party. That's what God wants. God wants family. He wants people he can rejoice with and have a lot of fun. So if you're into that, we're going to do four weeks of RSVP and we're going to party crash with Jesus. Thank you for all three of you who are excited about that. <laughs> Hey, you're going to talk about why I gather, why I gather. So we talk about a lot of stuff, why I forgive, why I praise, why I sing, why I, why I do a lot of stuff, but why I gather, why do I gather? Why do we do that, Pastor? Why do I do it? I'm going to talk to you about why I gather. Is that okay? You know, Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's Jesus has a very strong purpose that he's committed to, and he's involved in, and he's going to build his church. How many know that? And the gates of hell, the, whatever the devil's trying to do to impede it or come against it, the gates of hell, gates represent authority, gates represent structures that are set up to keep out or to resist. He says the gates of hell will not stand against it. See, gates, gates aren't going to hit you. You're going to kick them down. You're going to go in. Everywhere where the devil has set up a beachhead where he says, I've got this, I got this, we're going to go kick it down, and we're going to build the church of God, and we're going to declare the kingdom of God as the church of God, and Jesus is going to fill the earth. How many know if Jesus is building something, he's going to do a good job? And he's building his church today. He's building that group of people. Ephesians 1. I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, it goes even before Genesis. Genesis is the historical creation in this time and space. But Ephesians takes you before Genesis, and it tells you the eternal purposes of God of why there's even a Genesis. What was God doing? What did God have in mind when he did all of this? So Ephesians is really the book of beginnings. It's where it all begins. But Ephesians 1, 22, 23, and he put all things under his feet, all things. He put all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church. So Jesus is building a church, but he's also building a, a entity, a living organism in the earth that he is going to exercise authority through, and he's the head of that church, but that church is going to be the vehicle through which he establishes himself, his glory, and his power in the earth. That's us. That's the church. Isn't that good? He's going to do that, and he's the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the body of Christ is how God is going to fill the earth with his glory. Amen. Let me give you another verse. Ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3. This is his intent. It was a mystery before. It's not a mystery anymore. But here's the revelation of the mystery. We wonder, The prophets, they looked in. They all wondered. In the Old Testament, we were like, what's going on? What is it? But here's the intent. And the intent is that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the temporal, limited, just now space and time purpose of God. 
according to the eternal purpose of God. See, the church is not like plan B, or the church isn't just a little space between the cross and when he takes us to heaven. The church, it says, is the eternal purpose of God, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. The body of Christ, the church, having a called out, the reason Abraham went, the reason Abraham did what he did was so that God could have a people. The reason Jesus did what he did was so that he could call out a people of every tribe, every tongue, every nation, so that he could have a group of people that would with him reign and rule over all creation. The eternal purpose of God was this amazing, called out, redeemed, glorious community that God is going to minister himself through. Just got my notes settled down because they're running, jumping. It could be in the spirit. Okay, so, all right, so give me another slide there. You ready? Romans 16, 3 to 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my sake, for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also to the churches. Say, churches. Churches, the churches of the Gentiles, likewise, greet the church that is in Aquila and Priscilla's house. So Aquila and Priscilla were, were church planters, and they had a church in their home where they were. And Paul's saying, greet the churches. So there's churches, but then there's also a church. So there's churches, and then there was also the church. So there's that specific church, but then there were all kinds of other churches. The word church, the word church is the word ecclesia, ecclesia. It's right here on the screen, right there. There it is. Bam, there it is. The church, an assembly of called out ones, an assembly of called out people. What is the church? Compound word, two words to be called out and an assembly of called out free people. Literally, the ecclesia back in the Roman day was if you wanted to call out the ecclesia, you called out all the free men and they would come to the gate if we, had, we needed to assemble because there was something wrong or something going on or we needed to communicate something. You would call out the ecclesia, call out the free ones, call out that group of people. So Paul used that word when he talked about the church. That's the word translated, ecclesia, that called out group of people. So there's two ways churches is used. Number one, there's the universal church. There's the big church, the church that's worshiping all over the world today. And isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus had 120 people in an upper room in a smelly little suburb of Jerusalem. Open sewers and stink. Nobody in the world wanted to be in Jerusalem. Nobody. Every time a governor was told, we're going to send you to Judea. I can't believe I got to go there. This was not like the favorite place in the world to be. They were a bunch of rebel rousers. They were a, a hard group of people to, to lead and to be with. And nobody wanted to be in Jerusalem. But God was there in an upper room with 120 people baptizing them in the Holy Ghost. And through that group of people, that community, guess what? happened the whole earth is full of churches isn't that an amazing enterprise we all we came from our roots are out of that room of 120 folks every single one of us right here this church has its roots in that baptism of the holy ghost that took place 2,000 years ago in that little upper room amazing stuff and that's what God's doing. God is, look all over the world, but no matter where you go, you're going to find called out communities that worship God. There's the church, the universal church operating in the earth today, and then there's us, a little local church right here at Adelaide and Little Simcoe. And we're a part of that big community that is doing something great in the world. And all of us together have our roots out of that little upper room. Pretty powerful stuff, huh? And it's growing, it's expanding, and it's incredible. And the fastest working or the fastest growing body inside of that group are tongue-talking, fire-breathing Pentecostal folks. It's a statistical reality. That group is growing rapidly in the earth. And of that group, it's the people that are hooked up to apostolic networks. That group of churches, that group is the fastest growing Christian group in the earth today. And God's hand's really on it. So it's very exciting to be a part of the church but it's also really great to be a part of a local church. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. So good. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 and 20. But now God has set members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. God has put each one. He has set. Say set. That word set means to fix and establish. So God has fixed and established the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. 
Now, but now, indeed, there are many members, yet there is one body. So how do you get set in the body? You are set in the body as the Lord pleases. Oh, I thought I chose Impact Church. No, God chose it for you. You know, God plants you. He sets you and he establishes you and he fixes you in the body of Christ. Amen. People come to me and go, should I come to your church? I have no idea. Talk to Jesus. But I like pastors who tell me what to do. I said, I'm not one of those pastors. I will tell you to listen to Jesus. That's what I'll tell you. Because I know he's the head of his church. You listen to him. We'll have a lot easier relationship. Because I follow him, you follow him, and we can all walk on the same page. Otherwise, we're listening to two different voices. That's two visions. That's division. And I don't really like that. But if you listen to Jesus and I listen to Jesus, we'll all have a happy ride. Can I get an amen? All right, it's good, good. Acts 20, verse 7, now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them, and he continued his mission until midnight. Wow. See, on the first day of the week, they gathered together, just like that scripture I read out of Corinthians. They had a gathering time. In Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to prayer, to breaking of bread, to teaching, and to fellowship, and there was a, a way that they developed this posture and this attitude that they had corporate gatherings, and it says they Acts 20, 20 says they met corporately at that time in the temple courts. They met as a group, but then it also says and they met house to house. So they had big corporate groups where they met together and were taught and fellowshiped and rejoiced and did things together, but then they also met house to house. Say 2020. If you want to see right and walk right in the spirit, you need 2020 vision, which means you got to have the corporate, but you also need that house to house. You need that small interaction where you're connected with a group of people where instead of staring at the back of their heads, you can fellowship with each other, talk to each other, and you can minister to one another, you can grow together, and you can do all the one another's in the Bible in a better way in a context of a small group. Can I say, yay, small groups? And if you're not in one yet, you can get in one, and you should get in one. In fact, next, uh, next uh, small group session, we're starting one on Friday nights called Ballroom Dance. And it really is about ballroom dancing. So, so come get trained to ballroom dancing, and then we'll go ballroom dancing. Well, how's that? Like 2020, trust me, it doesn't, have to, it doesn't always have to be every time we gather, we open the Bible and argue with each other about it. That's, it doesn't always have to be like that. Sometimes we can just hang out together and have fun. Hey, come shake and share with me at the mall. Have a coffee and share. It's great. But we need to be in a place where you're having and you're experiencing dialogue and community with other people. Amen, pastor. Thank you. Hebrews 10, 25, out of the message, it says, let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. See, as we see and as we're moving towards the second coming of Christ, more and more we need to encourage each other that we need to gather, we need to connect we, and be inventive and be encouraging and loving and helping and making sure that people are gathering and not avoiding the time of corporate worship. So there's a lot of really good reasons already to gather. Can I get an amen? All right, good reasons to gather. All right. Now, Maslow, I got his picture up there. How many Maslow, his hierarchy of needs? If you look at his needs there, you got basic needs of food, water, warmth, you know. Then you got safety needs, security needs, stuff like that. But then you move into psychological needs, and right there in the middle is belonging and love needs. And so this is just a, a psychological uh, kind of upward uh, tracking. These are your basic needs all the way up to what's really important and you want to get there. But you'll never get the uh, self-actualization if you don't deal with your basic needs. So you got your basic needs, but <clears throat> even before you can have esteem needs, he says you need to have belonging and love needs. So there's an aspect that everybody needs to belong. And you know, God designed us, every one of us, God designed us for community. I love in Isaiah where it says, it says that the anointing or it says the freshness or the wine, it's in the cluster. And it's when you gather, it's in the gathering where the refreshing and it's in the gathering where the anointing is, it's in the gathering where you experience the freshness of God. And see, if you keep yourself isolated and not in relationship, then you're always going to experience frustration and trouble. You really will. I had somebody call me, and they'd been away from church for a while and, and just not involved, and things were difficult, and I had one message for them. Come home. Just come home. You know, just broke down, started to cry and say, really? I went, yeah, what are you doing? Just come home. 
And you know, they came home and their whole life was refreshed and restored. Sometimes you think, well, I got myself out of fellowship and things messed up. And who cares? You know, just like the father when he saw the prodigal son coming. He didn't go, where, you, where were you? What'd you do with the money? I mean, look at you. You look a mess. What's wrong with you? He ran and he grabbed him, hugged him and said, kill the fatted calf, throw a party. Let's get on with this. It's all good stuff. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, come home. Just come home. That's a great message, isn't it? Really is. But belonging is a powerful need that everybody has. So I'll give you another picture right here. There's, there it is. Now, that's actually a, a, a soccer jersey, and that soccer jersey belongs to Logan Brock. Logan Brock. So that is in there so that, you know, if the shirt is left in the dressing room and somebody finds it, you go to the lost and found, I can say that's mine because it has my name in it. Now, my mother uh, was an Avon lady. Any Avon ladies here today? I see that hand right there. Just raise, don't, lift it up high. Lift, very good, okay. You can get a catalog right there from Colleen, okay? So, but my mom was an Avon lady, so it was great. So, you know, a lot of our Christmas gifts were Avon stuff, pretty neat. But I remember one time Avon came out with this whole thing that you could send them all your kids' names, and then they'd send you back this whole thing full of labels that you could cut and you could iron on to all your kids' stuff. So my mom thought that was an awesome. Did any, any other mothers here get the iron-on labels for the kids? Just all heads bowed, eyes closed. Just. <laughs> my mother went on a labeling fit. I mean, underwear, T-shirts, you name it. I mean, I, these are mine. That's awesome, you know. They could help. I had twin brothers, so, you know, that was good for them because, you know, they would fight over stuff. Anyways, so we got labels. Isn't that awesome? So you knew it belonged to you. And I wish we had those for Dylan. For Dylan, we, we never really bought very expensive outdoor clothing and stuff for Dylan because he'd play in the schoolyard, and then he'd get hot, and he'd just throw his coat on a fence, and then he was still hot, so he'd come home, and I'd go, where's your coat? Oh, uh, it's on the fence. I'd drive back to the school. It's not on the fence anymore. We'd see another kid wearing it, but we didn't have a label in it. So uh, that, was his, that was his coat. So, so we blessed the community with a lot of coats, thanks to Dylan. Praise Jesus. You know, that kind of stuff happens, doesn't it? So labels are important stuff. Now, when you go, you know, God bless my travels. You know, I have traveled in five different continents all over the place. I have never once lost my luggage. It's pretty amazing. There's a few times where I was standing there going, is that it? Oh, my goodness. And, you know, but sure enough, it choked out or spit out somewhere. And it was so good. But, but you know, there's one thing about traveling is, I think you got a picture right there. See that? See, that? it belongs to and it belongs where. Now, that's really important. See, I put a, like, I like to put something that's big. It's got a nice happy face on it and a couple other things, a couple of labels just in case. Put two labels on. Why? Just in case one gets ripped off by those guys who throw your luggage around. So, I mean, I'm a double label guy. So you put double labels on and you want to know who it belongs to and you want to know where it's supposed to go if, you know, it somehow gets disconnected. What I love, though, is even with the airlines, they put a label on it, and even on the label, it has my name, has the destination, who it belongs to, and where it's supposed to go. I was in Taipei, and my luggage got stuck in Hong Kong, and then I had to go three hours from the Taipei airport into the mountains to do a conference, and my luggage didn't show up. They had a big sign, you know, Carl Thomas, come see us when I got off the plane. I went, they said, your luggage is still in Hong Kong. I said, What's it doing in Hong Kong? So they said, but where are you going? So, I mean, nobody spoke terrible good English and stuff like that. So I phoned where I was going, and they talked to the people, and they told us where the luggage was going. And I said, is that okay? And I go, it's three hours away. And they said, we are going to get your luggage. We're going to put it in a cab, and we're going to send it to you, and it'll be with you the next flight from Hong Kong. So you should have it in six to eight hours. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, no way they're going to put it in a taxi and send it three hours up in the mountains. But sure enough, like eight hours later, knock on the door, here's your luggage. I was like, yes. I thought I'd broken a record of always having my stuff. But thank God. You know what? I always got my stuff. So what's going on, Pastor? What are you saying? Well, I'm saying this because here's, here's three things I want you to recognize, all right? Here's why I gather. I gather for three reasons. I gather because I belong to God. I gather because I belong at Impact Church. And I gather because I belong on purpose. Are you putting a label on me? I'm not putting anything on you. I'm just telling you that, you know what? You belong to God. And you know what? I belong, I can say this for me without question, I belong at Impact Church. I belong here. And I belong at Impact Church on purpose. 
That's why I gather. I gather because I belong to God, first of all, and because God has set me and he's established me and planted me with this community, and he's done it on purpose. Uh, You could be visiting going, oh my God, I'm just visiting. That's okay. You can just visit. It's all right. You know, I'm I'm just a guest today. Don't don't put a headlock on me. No, I don't want to do that either. But why do I gather? I want to tell you why I gather. And you know, there's a lot of people right now that are all over the place. There's a lot of people, they say statistically, there's like as many people in church as out of church. I mean, that should be in church. People who call themselves believers, but for one reason or another, they don't gather anywhere. Now, wouldn't that be weird if we had, you know, we have, we have in the streets, sometimes down in this location, a lot of people who are real people created by God, but when I talk to them and they say they need food, I go, where do you live? They say, I don't have an address. And we call that homeless. And we minister to homeless people. But how awful is it to be homeless? And you know, there's an awful lot of Christians who don't have a home, and sadly, For some dumb, crazy reason, some people think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't don't have a church. Yeah. I just listen to stuff on the internet. Pretty cool. You know, listen to this, bit of this. I drop in here. I drop in there. You know, pretty good. You're homeless. But you know what? You're not supposed to be homeless. Because God sets every single person in the body of Christ as he pleases. There is a setting for you. There is a place for you. There's a place that God has provided for you to be ministered to and to be blessed. And you should be in that place where you can prosper. Imagine if you planted something and it just started to sprout up. You said, so cool, so awesome. I'm just going to rip it out and plant it here. Then a week later, you know what? I don't really like that pot. I'm going to put it here. Oh, you know what? There's a better pot. I'm going to do this. I heard this pot has a great choir. I heard this one has a really great preacher. I heard this one has a really great worship team. If every week you took that, you tried to plant it, replant it every week, it would die. Pretty common sense, isn't it? You know what? The body of Christ isn't an a institution. It's a living organism. And it's the exact same thing with you. you got to understand the setting of God and the planting of God. And I love that I belong to this church. And I love that this is my community that I get to do the will of God and purpose of God. I love that I'm hooked up with a group of people on purpose and we're hearing together what God wants to do in our community and we're doing things on purpose. I love that. It's, it's, for me, that's a big deal. For me, that's the biggest deal about church. It's not coming and consuming a product every week. It's being, it's living together, it's growing as a group of people and manifesting the purpose of God. Amen, pastor. All right, I belong to God. Number one, I belong to God. You know what? Be careful when you're using other people's stuff. I belong to God. So watch it. I'm pretty awesome and I'm pretty special. I mean, if you borrow somebody else's stuff, sometimes you're a little more careful with it because you, you, know, you borrow it, you borrow their camera or something, you don't want to wreck it because if you wreck it, you gave it back to them, it was broke, you say, I don't know what happened. I tell my kids, you borrow somebody's stuff, make sure that you got the ability to purchase that and pay for it, because if you wreck it, you got to get them a new one. Because, you know, you respect those people, and we respect their stuff. And you better respect me, because I belong to God. Well, back at you, Pastor, I belong to God, too. That's right. See, and if we understand that we each belong to God, then we'll put a higher value on each other and we'll realize that you can't just dismiss one another because we're family and we all belong to God and we're all significant. We all got incredible purpose. How are you doing? Come on, you can join with me. It's good. I belong to God. You belong to God. And it's pretty significant to belong to God. Look what it says. I'm going to read this a little more of the nuns on the screen. John 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You weren't smart enough to choose God. You were so lost, so dropped on your head that you didn't even know you had a problem. But isn't it amazing that God chose you? And God chose you, and he says, I chose you and I appointed you that we might go and we might bear fruit, that your fruit would last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Isn't this good? I chose you. I hooked you up with our community. We have a Father. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me. I don't belong to the world. I don't belong to the world. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what labels it puts on me or what it has to say because I belong to God. He chose me and God is my father. Amen. 
So I don't belong to the world. I belong to God. I don't belong to my job. I belong to God. I don't belong to school. I belong to God. I don't belong. If you came from a broken, messed up family and all that, love them and all you can do, but you got to realize that, you know, they were just stewards of the purpose of God. Your heavenly father is God almighty. And therefore you're free from the pain and the hurt. You can love them because it doesn't matter. I belong to God. So no matter what situation you may have come from or where you are right now, you can look at yourself with a whole different sense of dignity and purpose because I walk into the job every day, I belong to God. But because I belong to God, there's nature and there's character that all flows out of that relationship, which means I operate on a whole different level where I am because I belong to God. He chose me. I didn't choose him. And you know what? My life's not my own. Everything I do now, I do to bring him honor and glory because I belong to God. All right, settle down. It's okay. Okay. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you at its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you and chosen you out of the world, and that's why the world hates you. Come on, say, I belong to God. No, no, really, say it. I belong to God. Let that sink deep, deep down inside you. I belong to God. Now listen to this. Another scripture out of Isaiah. And this is from the message paraphrase, just because it flows a bit better and give you a little more understanding. But this is what Isaiah 56 says about you. And you may feel this way. If you feel, I don't feel connected. I don't know. I've been coming to this church for a while and I'm trying to get in community. I don't know. You know, sometimes we have stuff because we don't know who our father is or we're not sure who we belong to. We can project all the worldly brokenness that we brought with us. And sometimes we can't connect and we can't make connections because all we've known is brokenness and hurt. But you know what? You need to realize when you come to God, you get healed all that nonsense and you can connect again. You can, you can get related with people again. But I love what Isaiah says. Listen to what it says. Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. I don't really belong. If somebody says that to you, don't let them say that. That's where it says, don't let anyone who's become a follower of God, I don't care what background they came from, don't let anyone ever say to you around a coffee, I'm not sure I fit in. No, don't say that. Don't say that. You belong. You belong here. You're not second class. You're, there's not layers. There's not, not different realms of involvement in our community. If you're in, you're in, and you're all the way in. You belong. You're significant. You're essential to what we do here because you belong. Don't let anyone ever say, oh, I'm second class. If you say that about yourself, in Jesus' name, I rebuke that off your life, and I pray you'd be healed from that forever. Because there's only one place in the kingdom, and it's front row, and everybody's on it. And we've all got access to the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Don't let anyone say, I don't really belong. And make sure no physically mutilated person has ever made the thing, I'm damaged goods, and I don't really belong. You know, there's people in our community that don't come to church because they think the church thinks they're broken. Not because they think they're broken, but the church thinks they're broken. There's some people out there who think they're broken, but there's some people who've already got a preconceived idea that if I come, you're not going to receive me because you think I'm broken. You think there's something so wrong with me that you won't accept me. I know that because we got a pretty bold open statement on the website that says everybody's welcome. You know, we get phone calls, you know, a couple, three times, sometimes a month, had one last week. We have people who call and say, will I really be accepted there? And I mean, if you got one person actually calling you, asking you that question, there's a whole lot of others who looked at it and are thinking about it. But you got a lot of people out there that are looking for community. They're looking for a relationship with God. And they're thinking about this, which is the house of God. It's the house of God. And I want to be welcome in the house of God. And they read a statement like that and they say, do you really mean that? Like when I walk in, will you really, no matter what, absolutely accept me? Absolutely. Let the people who are broken, let the people who are messed up, let the people who think I'm damaged goods, I don't really belong. Don't ever let them say that. For God says to the mutilated who keeps my Sabbath and chooses to delight in me and keep a firm grip on my covenant, I provide them an honored place in my family and within my city, even more honored than that of sons and daughters. Wow! Wow! I had to stop right there and say, wow! You know how open God's heart is to every single person? 
is yours, is mine. See, when you belong and you know who you are, you know God's your father, you want to embrace everyone. And people have a massive need to belong and to be accepted. Before they can even have self-esteem, it says, they have to belong. Before I can even feel good about myself, I have to at least have a community that I think I can get planted in where I'm safe and I'm cared for and I can give love and experience love and I can, I can be known as I'm known. People need that. Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, people need that. I'll provide for them an honored place in my family and my city, more honored even than a son or a daughter. I'll confer permanent honors on them that will never be revoked. Wowzers. Wowzers. Got that right here in my notes. Wowzers. I love that stuff. All right, I I belong to God. You belong to God. We belong to God. It's good to realize you belong to God because that'll totally set you free. You get that revelation in your head, finally fixed your identity once and for all. Wow, you're... You know, that's most of the game right there. Next thing is, I belong at impact. I belong. I belong at impact. I do. And I know that with all my heart. There's been times people have tried to hire me at other churches. And I've asked, how much do you pay? And I went, really? That's really awesome. I've had offers. I had a a pastor in Australia who I met and said, we'd really love you to come to Australia and and just work with us here. And I was like, well, I really only want to be on the Gold Coast. And he said, well, it is on the Gold Coast. I said, well, I'd really actually love to be in Brisbane. He said, it is in Brisbane. I said, you messing with me? He said, no, I'm not messing with you. I said, how much does it pay? Well, I said, holy cow, where can I get the next flight? Florida. I was looking for homes in Florida. I was there. We went, looked for homes out with a real estate agent, doing all this stuff. And I thought, this is amazing, planning my resignation. None of you folks even know this. It was a long time ago. Don't worry. It wasn't like last week. <laughs> and, you know, Cheryl and I drove home. As we're driving home, Cheryl turns me and says, like, I got no release on that. I got nothing. You know, as much as that looks like a great opportunity, I know we could really do well there. I got nothing. I said, Cheryl, it's already got 800 people. It's like, it's like a great opportunity. It's fantastic. Exploding area. She said, no, I got no peace about that. I said, well, you know what? No problem. You can get another husband. That's okay. So, <laughs> you know, sure enough, I said, I don't feel it either. I was trying to feel it. I was doing all I could to feel it, but I couldn't feel it because I know where God wants me right now. And there might be a time where God might say this or that, but you know, every time he has, I've never had that inner witness and I've never felt free because I know that I belong at impact. And so I know that. Psalm 92, verse 13 and 14, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall still be refreshed and flourishing. So being planted, all the scriptures I had at the start too, talking about being set by God, being in a place where you know God wants you so that you can fulfill the one another's, you can minister to one another. You, you know, it's, it's unhealthy to be planted in a whole bunch of places. You build relationships with people so you can be accountable and responsible. And when you're planted in one place, you can build loving relationships where you can not only love each other, but they can love you. And maybe you got some really strong relationships where a brother can even sharpen another brother with a rebuke. Am I close enough that you can rebuke me? And I say, hey, thank you for that. Or do I try to find another place to get planted? See, when you're really in a great relationship, there's people where you can be honest with each other, you can flow together, you're not in a fragile relationship, you're in a meaningful, loving relationship, and you know God's placed you there so you can grow and you can accelerate in the most fast and liberal way because you're established in the purpose of God. And so I know, I know that I know that God has planted me there. Now, there's no perfect church. And if you do find a perfect church, the minute you join it, it's no perf- not perfect anymore. <laughs> oh, what are you saying, Pastor? You're not perfect. No, there is no perfect church. You know what we do have? We've got a perfect Heavenly Father. And you know what? Trust me, you get into any relationships, you're going to risk hurt. And if you risk unconditional love with people, you're going to go through stuff. But isn't it great to go through stuff with people together? You know, don't be afraid of growing. You're going to grow through some difficulties. You're going to grow through some hardships, some winds and some breezes on your life. You're going to make your roots go lower. But if you unroot yourself, then you're not going to go anywhere. All right, it's really good to be planted. Say, I belong to God. I belong at some church somewhere. This is my church. This is my church. You are my family. 
and we're growing together, and God's called us to do incredible and great things. Amen. I belong on purpose. I belong on purpose. First Peter 4, 10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. So you've got abilities. You've got stuff in your suitcase. I mean, you don't just belong to God and belong somewhere. You belong there on purpose. There's stuff that God has packed into you that you need to unpack and you need to manifest what God has placed in you. So let me just quickly, a few little things, simple things. Belonging on purpose. What does that mean? What does it mean to belong on purpose. You ready? Here's number one. I'm known, number one. If I belong on purpose, I am known. What does that mean? I'm known by everybody. We know you. You let us know you. We know you. You know us. And number one, if you belong, you are known. Can you say known? I come down in my house coat, you know, I got a, a unintentional faux hawk from combing the hair with my pillow, and I'm going down into the kitchen, and there's somebody with my slippers on eating cereal at my table. Hey, what's up? Oh, just dropped in for some cereal. Thanks very much. I didn't know who the guy is, just wandered in, you know, opened up, got the cereal, my milk, and all that stuff. I don't even know who the guy is, but he's eating at my table. That's weird. You know, I had my brother over. He hung around, and, you know, we ate together. He brought some stuff. I had some stuff. We ate at my table. You know, he stayed overnight, gave him a bed to sleep in, and it wasn't weird in the morning to see him up holding on to my channel clicker, changing it from Fox News to CNN. <laughs> Just love those relationships. He's got, he's got privileges with my remote control or whatever that thing is, you know. Kevin comes to my house. He goes right into my fridge. Kevin goes to my house, if he sees the pool's not clean, he cleans it. It's amazing. He's got pool privileges. He's got, he's got fridge privileges. You know why? Because we know each other. We're known. There's times I've just given Kevin my car key. He said, I'm, I'm out of the city for a while. Do you need a car? My daughter won't drive it because it's a standard, and she just stalls it 20 times trying to get to school. So here you can have, and you, you, you know, it's because we know each other. We're known. And there's people in my life, I know you folks, you, you know what, you guys all have fridge privileges. It wouldn't bother me if I came down in the morning with my house coat and my mohawk. It wouldn't bother me if I saw you eating cereal at my table. It might bother you to see me in my house coat, but you may sleep with the lights on for about a week and a half. But anyways, are you known here? Are you known here? Like, do you have privileges? Like, if something broke, do you know where... The mop is to, to clean the floor. And do you know that you can do that? And when you, when you know that, because you step up to the place where I'm unpacked now. See, there's a lot of people, you're still coming to church, you're going like, how you doing, pastor? <laughs> so how are you enjoying yourself here? Well, it's okay. <laughs> well, you've been here seven years now, I know. <laughs> when are you going to unpack your luggage? Well... Just being careful. No, you're being weird. <laughs> I mean, you come in every day. You come, you drop your luggage, you know. Every once in a while, you unzip it, do a little something, zip it back up. See ya. <laughs> Might be back next week. <laughs> Folks, you belong here. Unpack your stuff. I mean, come on. Let your hair down. It's okay. You brush your teeth, though. Okay. All right. <laughs> You unpack. Number two, though, you, you know what? When, when you know you're a part of the thing, you contribute, right? You contribute. You get involved. You, you know, like I said, if something breaks or something, find out where the mop is. And don't expect Ray to do it all the time, although he will. I tell Ray, Ray, you're in charge to make sure stuff gets taken care of. That doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. There's a lot of other people that want to do stuff, and it's not Ray's fault. Trust me. It's you folks still holding on to your suitcase. You know what? Unpack yourself. This is your house. We're your people. You know, I know you guys all like to sit in that back part over there. Maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time to build some new friends. Maybe, maybe it's time to change rows. Maybe next week we'll, we'll start the service off by going, all right, everybody shift. <laughs> I belong over there, but I don't belong in here. <laughs> you know, I'm comfortable with these three rows with the rest of you people. Sometimes it's good to build deep relationships with somebody close to you because it's hard to get to know every one of you. Sadly, I don't know every one of you. Sorry. But if you want to unpack your bags, I'm here. 
And you know what? We got to contribute. We got to get involved. We got to get responsible, right? I expect my kids to take responsibility when they're home. I expect them to do stuff. Don't, don't mess up the house and wreck the place. You know, you, although mom, I know she'll take care of you because she's babied you your whole stinking life. <laughs> Mom's got it. <sighs> we can contribute and we can take responsibility, right? And five, there's, we could think a whole bunch more, but I'm just like, we got a language around here. You know what it is? It's the language of affection. Say affection. We love each other on purpose. We care about each other. It's a place where we're gracious to one another. We don't talk about one another. Not on purpose. Did you, did you hear about Sue Hurley? Did you? She's talking more in the small group. I don't even know why. But usually she sits quietly, but now she's talking all the time. She says it's my fault because I'm giving study guides, and now she knows what, what to talk about. But so good. Nah, it's not so bad, is it? Hey, you know what? Sometimes your friends will talk about you. I've heard friends talking about friends before, and it's okay. But let's make sure we're always encouraging each other and building each other up. And there's a language around here. It's a culture of honor. It's a culture of love. It's a culture of affection. It's a culture of grace. It's not a culture of judgment. It's not a culture where we, you constantly, I hate places where you walk in and you walk, hey, how are you? And you feel like, I've been given the judgment of one to 10, evaluating everything. Everything I say is being evaluated. I got to be careful because, oh my God, you know, they're so quick to take offense. Not here. There's a language, there's a culture, there's a, there's a language attached to that culture where we really believe in each other. We're for each other. I'll place you ahead of me. You're more important than I am. We serve around here. When we talk about leadership, we don't say, what a privilege to lead you. I say, what a privilege to serve you. And those things are in our language on purpose because there's a culture here and there's a language because belonging here on purpose means some stuff. How are we doing? My wife's not here to tap the clock. She went to pick up my son at the airport. He was in Australia and he's coming home today and she's so excited. I said, you do not leave until church is over. She said, I said, if you go, everybody else go. Anyways, we'll, we'll continue that conversation later. Let me wipe my mouth. First Thessalonians 5, going to read some scripture. How many like Bible? Right? This ain't my opinion. It's the word of God. All right? You're ready? And I'm not going to beat you, even though it is a hammer. Listen, dear brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and hold... I don't even know how this verse got in there. I didn't mean to put this one in. Wow. Don't want you to think I'm using this one to please treat me better. <laughs> I don't even know how this got in there. Sue, did you put this one in? What? You know, I'm not one of those pastors who's afraid to tell you that it's in the Bible that you should respect your leaders. You know when you're really in a church? You know when you know? You know who your pastor is. You know when you know? You know who your small group leaders are. You know who the community is that's helping you and discipling you. I know I'm in a community because I have a pastor over me. His name is Pastor John Christensen, and he's a part of our movement and organization. I know I'm in the body of Christ because I know who I'm submitted to and who I honor as authority in my life. If you don't know that, you might not even be in the body of Christ. You might be one of those homeless people. But listen, it's okay to have a leader because around here, the culture of leadership is how can I serve you? How can I serve you? So show them great respect. Sorry, let me run by that again. <clears throat> show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. 1030 services. To warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. That's so bad, eh? Because that wasn't even in the verse and I threw that in. That was not nice, Pastor. That was not nice at all. I know. Amen. It's not nice when we show up late when these people have practiced and they've, they've worked really, really hard to start us into a worship service. And when they start, nobody wants to hear their work and their effort that they put to lead us into the presence of God. And, and they just kind of, should I start now, Pastor? Yes, they'll, they'll come soon. They're not interested in how much you work to put together a worship service, but they still love you and still care about you. It's okay. Oh, my goodness. Out. <laughs> what, 
kind of pastor does that stuff? <laughs> we videotaped the service today too. It was in the parking lot and we have time on it to show when. <laughs> We're going to email your time to you this week. Okay, good. All those who came early say amen. All right, some of you lied right there. It was really fun. <laughs> but that's okay. You're forgiven because we love you. And we, we honor you above ourselves. Amen. Most of the time. So, no, always. All right, so, all right. Where was I? Okay, encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Amen. See that no one pays you back evil for evil. Come on. See that no one pays you back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, who belong, those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, do not scoff at prophecy, test everything that is said, hold on to what is good, stay away from every kind of evil. Galatians 6, 9 to 10, one more verse. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially, especially. Do good to all, but especially, especially do good to those who are of the household of faith. Draw a special, affectionate, deep, wholehearted, loving relationship with people that God has put you in a relationship with. Because I'll tell you this, when they see our choirs, when they see our worship teams, when they see how awesome our light show is, no, when they see how much we love each other, that's when they'll know who our Father is in heaven. I belong to God. I belong, I do, I belong at Impact. And I've unpacked my bags and I'm here for a reason and I know what it is. And it's to serve you and to love you and to walk with you and to encourage you and to manifest the gift that's been poured on my life, anointed to be a pastor and to unpack that for you and to help you and to encourage you. And you have gifts and strengths and ability that you got to operate in for us. Werner's a ballroom dancer. He's going to teach us the ballroom dance in January. How awesome is that? Well, that's not a gift from the Bible. You never heard dance before the Lord? You never heard that? He's the Lord of the dance. That's what it says in the Bible. So come on, you can dance. Amen. All right, that was good. I got, I got one more slide. Maybe two. two. And this could be a run-on sentence. I don't know. I looked at it, thought the grammar's probably horrible, but who cares? The house of God where you belong is not to contain you or to constrict you. The house of God where you belong is to strengthen you, protect you, and to give you value. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> to bring out the best in you and to serve your specific purpose to support your success. Last one, I mean it. This is the last one. You ready? Put yourself in the middle of God's house. Put yourself in the middle. Put yourself in the middle. I mean, don't hang around the edges. Don't, don't keep coming and going with your luggage. Going, I'm not sure, you know. Seven years, you're not sure? Give me a break. Put yourself in the middle. You know, I know a lot of people that just honestly, the, a lot of the trials, difficulties, things you have, even emotionally and relationally, all kinds of things, would be resolved if you'd actually put yourself in the middle. If you'd actually settle that whole belonging thing, if you'd actually realize that this isn't just some institution that I visit, like the YMCA or the Kiwanis Club. This is the body of Christ. This is the church of the living God. And he's put you in a living community so that you can give and you can receive and you can manifest your strengths and your abilities and we can together partner and take the globe for Jesus. That's what it's all about. And I ask you, please, don't hang around the fringes. Press right in. Get in the middle. Get right in the center of what it is. And I tell you, it'll go well for you. You'll be blessed because those who plant themselves in the middle, they flourish and they prosper. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, stand up with me. If Pastor Cheryl was here doing her job, we'd have been out 10 minutes ago. <laughs> just bow your heads. Believers just praying, okay? Believers are praying. Just bow your heads.
I just want to talk to you. You know, maybe you're here and you're, you're packed. You came in, you got your luggage. I mean, you're, and maybe you're a little scared. I don't know. But, you know, maybe you're here and you've never even joined the family. You've never said, Lord Jesus, be my Savior. Lord Jesus, lead me to the Father. You've never, you've never done that aspect of the relationship where not you want to join Impact Church, but you know what? I want to be a part of the family of God. And, you know, if you want to do that and you're here today and you say, well, you know what? I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to get all the benefits of my sins forgiven, of, of a relationship with Him where the, the flow of His purpose and my identity is sealed and secured. I want to know that. I want that in my life. If that's you and you've never done that before, I want to pray with you before you go. But see, here it is. You ready? All I need you to do is put your hand up. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three, and then you put your hand up. And when you do that, I'll know right then that it's time for us to pray for you, okay? So when I go one, two, three, you're going to put your hand up. Are you ready? It's you. You feel it right now. You want to be in the family. You know you do. You ready? One, two, three. Just lift your hand up really high, really high so I can see it really high. You've never done that before. You've never said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Just put your hand up high enough so we can see it. Anyone? Okay, I don't see any hands, so unless I missed one. You know what that means? We got to bring some people. The highways and the byways, we got to get them in. Okay, let me bless you and pray for you. The altars are open. And you know, if you haven't been to the altar lately, please, you should. You know, it's kind of like, have you driven a Ford lately? You need to come to the altar. You need to have those regular times in your life where you came to the altar. Did somebody have their hand up, Zach? Sorry about that. Wow. Look, let's pray together, okay? That person, you put your hand up. We're all going to pray. Everybody's going to pray. So you put your hand up. We're all praying. And so you pray with me. You say these words. We're all going to pray with you. You ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for making the way back to my Father. I declare I am forgiven. I am healed. And I am free. Thank you for accepting me. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit. Testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. God bless you. Could all the folks from ministry at the altar come, my elders and other ministry people? If you need prayer for anything today, people, blind eyes have been opened, deaf ears open, just direction, prophetic things, lots of good stuff at the altar. So have you been to the altar lately? Let me bless you as you go. Father, bless this house. I thank you for them. I love them. I thank you that I belong to such a beautiful community. But I pray, and as, as pastor in this house, I bless them. And I bless them with the love of the Father. I bless them with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I bless them now with the beautiful fellowship and partnership of the Holy Ghost. Bless them now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.